The Start On Demand. On demand. Manitoba will begin to reopen on Monday, May 4th. So we will ask an epidemiologist, what do we need to consider as we slowly reopen some businesses and parks next week? Speaking of those businesses, we'll talk to my barber, Joe, from Tony's Barbershop on Regent Avenue West. He's anxious to get back to work. I've got an appointment already booked for Monday afternoon. And we'll speak with a massage therapist on Corden who says he's not ready to reopen, even though he can open as of Monday. We'll check in with our friends from Silo Mission and find out how you can help during this pandemic. And do you ever find yourself distracted by mystery noises? You just can't figure out where they're coming from? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, April 30th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, Manitoba going to look a little bit different on Monday. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Brett McGarry. How are you? doing pretty well got some raking done yesterday i'm uh i'm cautiously cautiously excited about uh what's about to happen in our province McNabb, how are you feeling about it um i oh it's a hard one to answer i feel good that we're moving forward i feel good about what we've done for the past six weeks i've been really proud of manitoba and dr Rusin and his decisions so i have faith that this next phase is based on the data and what we've been doing and what we hopefully will continue to do. I'm just a little worried that the warm weather already makes people is, is crazy, the right word. Like, you know, you, you're just out, you're just reckless abandoned. You just want to be out there. And so the combination of spring and then this idea that we can have patios potentially and, and golfing and camping, I just, I just wonder how that's all going to look if we're supposed to also still abide by some of those social distancing rules. So cautiously optimistic, I think is a good term, but I'm a little nervous if I'm being honest. Yeah, well, I'm just looking at a text message that came in at 548 at 204-780-6868. Uh, and it's, a, it's a, just a screen grab of something labeled Lessons of History. The most severe pandemic in history was the Spanish flu of 1918. It lasted for two years in three waves with 500 million people infected and 50 million deaths. And most of the fatalities happened in the second wave. The people felt so bad about the quarantine and social distancing measures that when they were first lifted, the people rejoiced in the streets with abandon. In the coming weeks, the second wave occurred uh, with millions dead. Let's not repeat history in the time of COVID-19. We're not reading that to induce any sort of a panic, but I think that's representative of how a lot of people are feeling. There, there's, There are people who are nervous about uh, the reopening plan, Greg. Yeah, there's no question about it in my social media feed. That's the predominant feeling is that this feels like a little bit too much too soon. Uh, I just, I did want to comment on that Spanish flu, that second wave in North America in particular. If my history is correct, I believe that was associated with the end of the First World War. And so people were out celebrating the end of the war and that had as much to do with uh, people's uh, disregard for social distancing rules, which had been implemented back over 100 years ago as much as anything else. So we're not expecting to see anything like that. Uh, the idea of going to a concert or a big festival or going to a football or baseball game this summer, 
probably not going to happen September at the earliest uh, for those types of things. So that's what tempers my concern about some sort of a massive second wave, at least in this part of the world, Loren. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's all about just everybody continuing to be smart, which I think Manitoba has done. And so, you know, you're, if you go camping, you don't maybe have the sites all gathered together with a bunch of friends. Or if you go golfing, like Brett, you're, you know, and you, and you'll be good at this. You can't wait to get golfing. I'm just putting words right into your mouth because I know that has to be true. But, you know, you'll just have to do things differently. You'll be in that cart by yourself, but you can still, um, have some fun. And so it's just a, it's just, I think, reshaping or rethinking how we get out there and have that fun. And it's not going back to normal. That's what I just hope people hear. We're not, it's not back to business Mm-mm. as usual, Brett. Well, indeed. And like patios, for example, at King, the Kings had messaged us on Instagram and said, Hey, uh, some, something to look forward to. We're, we're opening our patio on Monday at half capacity. And I was talking to a woman I, have met virtually on Tinder last night and said, hey, patios are opening. Maybe we can actually go for a drink sometime soon. And she said, yeah, I'd like that. Uh, but indeed, you mentioned it's being smart. Like, I, So now I can, there's some hope. I have something to look forward to. I can actually go out on dates, but I'm still going to be smart. It'll be an introductory thing. It's not like I'm going to turn the evergreen towers into some sort of a Tinder turnstile. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice alliteration. I had a great picture as well painted I, in my I, head. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Spin me right round. I want to talk about distractions because I just mentioned to Greg and Loren this morning in our text chat. I said, just as a, as a sidebar here, guys, a meaningless sidebar, I've got this mystery rattle at my desk that intermittently pops up while I'm typing and I, I, don't, I can't figure out where it's coming from. I can't figure out how to stop it and it's, some, it's to the point where it sometimes completely derails me. Even if I'm under a deadline, I'll hear that rattle and I'll think, damn it, what is that thing? So we wanted to talk about distractions because Greg, you alluded to your own mystery sound. Yeah, I've got one up in my laundry area. And if I'm all digital here, guys, let me know, because you're sounding a little digitized in my ear. So I'll I'll, uh, proceed until you tell me not to. But yeah, there's a mystery beep coming from somewhere in my laundry area. It's not a fire or smoke alarm. It's not a carbon monoxide detector. I have idea of what it could be but every once in a while i'll be walking by my washer my dryer and this beep will come and it's not the washer nor the dryer so it it absolutely fascinates me and distracts me and i'll stand and i'll wait for it to come doesn't come (laughs) and i'll wait and then i'll leave and then sure enough i'll be halfway down the stairs and it'll beep i have no idea where it's coming from and for this entire seven weeks of working from home it's driving me crazy and i have zero idea of what it is what about you kelly moore do you have anything uh like that that distracts you no i'm pretty lucky that way i haven't uh and because i think for a lot of years when you did hockey play-by-play and in not all, but in some of the venues, you were seated right in the middle of the stand. So you always had fans that were talking or trying to 
get your attention, uh, some mischievous ones who are trying to throw you off your game a little bit. So you just kind of learn to dial everything out and just focus on what you were doing. So been pretty lucky that way. I, uh, uh, I, I haven't had anybody rattling around in my desk drawers or uh, <laughs> anything going on in the in the upstairs that uh, has uh, caused any distractions that way. Actually, I, I have to say, guys, I feel pretty comfortable working at home now. I, the first week or so, it was a little bit disconcerting because, as most of you know, I'm very much a routine guy, but I've kind of developed a pretty good pattern here at the, at the home base, so to speak. Well, and the home base, apparently the, our tie line, our, our network technology is uh, being distracted right now because Loren's been having problems, Greg's having problems, Jeff Braun just texted me to say he's he keeps getting disconnected. Jeff, are you there right now? Apparently not. <laughs> Jeff, this Jeff is. Jeff Forte is This there. Jeff is. What about you, Forte? Do you find yourself, do you get easily distracted? I do, especially like, oh, Loren's back. Um, I do, especially when I'm watching like a movie or something like that. I just, I have trouble just sitting there and paying attention to the whole movie because I'm always like, oh, you know, that's dirty. I should clean that. Or maybe I want to go for a walk or should I go outside? I don't know. So it's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult. McNabb, are you there? I'm here, and I laughed so hard when you texted the morning and said, do you, do you ever get distracted? And I was like, uh, Brett, I'm the co-host who is regularly out in the newsroom being paged, like, Loren, the show is still on. You have to come back into the studio because I'm so quickly distracted <laughs> by, like, shiny objects or colors or people talking to me. And since being at home, the hard part about that, I'm amazed, quite honestly, that I've made it on time for every segment because I'll <laughs> run upstairs to check on the kids or grab a piece of toast, and then I start cleaning a drawer. Like, I, my my son, nine years old, like, Mom, it's 8.35, the commercial break's over. And I'll be like, oh, thanks, buddy. And I'll quickly run back downstairs. So, yeah, like, just, like I'm the queen of distractions. Thank God for him. All right. I've dated, I, I, who knows? I've dated women with cats. And if the cats happen to meow while we, you know, are, um, uh, shall we say, being intimate, that would often derail the entire thing. I am just, I am so easily distracted. Oh, my. It drives me... <laughs> and by proxy other people crazy i hate it i think i actually need professional help to help me deal with my distractions like if i'm on the golf course and i'm teeing off and like an acorn falls out of the tree and hits the ground i can hear that and that throws me off like i just lose focus so badly and uh i need help i need help greg brett brett it's just it's a man thing jerry seinfeld says it best when it comes to television and Forte this will make you feel better I actually looked this one up just to get the wording right for Jeff Braun otherwise he would have corrected me men worry about what else is on TV and that's exactly how most of us live our so lives true. so that's what's that's happening so in front of us it's what the heck am I missing out on Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We've been having some troubles this morning. Greg and Loren still working from home. Greg and Loren have been dropping in and out. Uh, our engineers are looking into it. So if Greg happens to disappear or Loren happens to disappear, that's what's happening. As we, Hey, we're continuing our physical distancing efforts by working from separate locations. And Manitobans, Greg, have been patiently waiting to hear the plan for a slow reopening of our economy. You got that right, Brett. And uh, depending on what life has been like for you over the past few months and weeks, you might be thrilled to hear what's on the list of businesses that can get back to work. You might be worried it's too much too soon 
or you might be still having questions on how it's all going to work or who will care for your kids. But no matter where you sit, that slow return to our new normal is coming. I'm pleased to announce that effective Monday, May 4th, a number of non-essential businesses will be able to open their doors. These will include non-urgent health services, dentists, orthodontics and physiotherapists. As well, and I know this will be a great relief to many Manitobans, we will be able to reopen elective surgeries. I know many Manitobans have been patiently waiting for important procedures to be done, and I know it's been difficult for you, and I thank you for your patience. We'll also ease restrictions on outdoor recreation, such as playgrounds, uh, golf courses, campgrounds. Also on that list, hair salons. We're going to visit with a barber after eight, dentists, museums, and more. Manitoba's approach has several phases, and all of it really, though, relies on us abiding by those safe rules for social distancing and any of the guidelines they might give us in the weeks ahead. Our question for our listeners this morning continues to be, are we ready? And what do we need to consider as we look toward Monday, May 4th? Cynthia Carr is an epidemiologist with Epi Research here in Winnipeg. She's also regularly contributed to our program over the past few weeks and joins us again this morning. Good morning, Cynthia. Good morning. We were talking earlier just about the different reactions we saw on social media and heard from friends and family to this reopening plan. Curious what you were thinking and if anything was a surprise to you as you listened to how we plan to do this return to a new normal. Well, it sounds like in a lot of ways we're following what is occurring in the other provinces in the sense of it's a phased-in approach. Uh, There's clear strategic uh, direction behind um, what is included in each uh, phase and how that's going to be measured. Um, We want to see a science-based approach, which I think for the most part uh, it appears to be in terms of identifying where the lowest risk is and why, Um, and that there are guidelines that we've uh, heard will be associated for each business that opens to ensure the business, um, the safety of the staff within the businesses and, of course, the people that uh, enter into the businesses. That one of the most important, and as the Premier uh, has said, was people waiting for other health services, diagnostic services, screening services. We know that early intervention saves lives, and that had to be up and running as soon as possible. So I'm quite sure that's quite a relief for many Manitobans. We had it. somebody text us at 204-780-6868 asking questions like, are we allowed to drive with people who don't live with us? Or are we allowed to have people over for dinner now or a barbecue as long as it's no more than 10? Uh, so uh, what do you think about that? What do we need to consider there? I think, again, we need to be educated and empowered, and, and that is great to be asking those kinds of questions to double-check because that really does show that we are all working together to think about, okay, we're going to reopen, but what does that mean? How do we protect each other, and how do we protect our most vulnerable? So, again, review the guidelines that will be at Manitoba Health uh, website and look those over. It sounds like uh, if you are... Uh, looking at getting together with people that are low vulnerable um, and sort of younger population, as long as you keep the numbers below 10, that sounds like what the target is. But uh, the best thing to do would be to, again, look at the resources that will be posted just to double check that you're not putting yourselves or others at risk. 
targets, numbers, statistics, such a big mm-hmm. part of this conversation, Cynthia. Mm-hmm. It was Brett yesterday that said to Loren and I in a conversation we were having yesterday afternoon that, that if you've trusted the numbers to this point to justify what we've done with social distancing and physical distancing and the pause mm-hmm. in the economy, et cetera, then, then you have to be trusting the numbers are justifying what we're doing right now, which leads to testing because I'm hearing a lot of people saying testing is such a big part of the equation as we move forward. What's your take on that? And what numbers, which test results, the the numbers of active cases, the number of overall cases, which one should we be paying most closely attention to? That's right. So we have heard that a key aspect of this reopening the economy is for Dr. Rusin and his staff to be able to monitor and quickly react if there are changes. So there will be, it sounds like, a ramping up of not just testing, but again, making sure that the lab has the capability to um, analyze those results and communicate back quickly so that the person would know. And of course, there can be contact tracing. So that's ensuring the safety of the population. We know from the states that part of the problem was, although they were doing maybe many tests, it could take up to seven days for people to get their results back. And that you've just lost the opportunity uh, for the safety side to isolate. So um, that will be important. But with increased testing, we might find more positives. So that won't be the alert level. The alert would be if we're seeing a lot more positives in age groups we didn't anticipate, or of course, clusters that might have visited a business uh, that has just reopened. But most importantly, again, will be the poorest health outcomes that will be monitored. So increase in hospitalization with specific focus on intensive care, of course, mortality, and as Dr. Rustin mentioned, emergency department visits, because we know that some of the symptoms are can be very serious, like shortness of breath, that kind of thing, where people would show up at the emergency department. So that's where the most important monitoring uh, and ongoing monitoring will take place for looking for red flags and if there need to be changes. Cynthia, you mentioned just watching for the most vulnerable. We have about 30 seconds. You know, a lot of people will be saying, I can't wait to visit my grandma or my great grandma or whoever, you know, might be older in our lives that we love and miss. We have to think carefully about those visits and what we're going to be doing, not talking about the long-term care facilities, but just even just that older vulnerable population. Agreed. And my parents are in the same situation. And I, on the weekend, uh, my parents live across from a park. I was in the park. My parents were in the backyard. We waved, yelled hello. We need to be safe and we need to be cautious with our older residents. So try, if you can, from just outside distancing to start with um, and, and don't push it too far too fast on that end. Cynthia Carr is an epidemiologist with Epi Research here in Winnipeg. Cynthia, thank you for joining us once again. Much appreciated. Have a great day. Thank you. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, parents hoping that a reopening of schools would be part of the province's phased move to our new normal had their hopes emphatically dashed by the Premier yesterday. Uh, You know, our kids are precious to us. Uh, We're in the early days of this recovery. The presence of a large number of kids in a school makes social distancing all but impossible. You know, it's a, it's a tough issue because uh, we see the numbers and the numbers are principally impacting less on young people and more on older people. How's that? And so there might be a temptation to say, let's lessen these restrictions. But to be quite frank, we're into May next week here. 
uh, you've got uh, a few weeks to monitor the situation, and then you're into June. It's the last month of the school year. For that reason, we're not, we're not entertaining the idea of reopening the schools at this point in time. Every province is, of course, doing this differently. We know they feel differently in Quebec about the reopening of schools, but most provinces are putting school on pause. And so for many, out of the past few weeks has been a new appreciation for school teachers. Uh, as many of us juggle working at home or working out of the home while helping our kids and connect with their teachers and provide ongoing education. It has been an unusual time, safe to say, but it also has been, I think, for many parents, overwhelming at times, Greg. Yeah, no question about it. So here's the headline. If you thought you were overwhelmed, you're not alone. Uh, now I'm going to read the headline. Some overwhelmed parents are giving up on distance learning and abandoning at-home schooling. First paragraph reads, it was not too long after schools closed that Monica Biel Bellier began to wake up with a feeling of dread, knowing the day ahead would see her eight-year-old son slumped in a chair as she pleaded with him to complete his assigned schoolwork. Finally, last week, she found a solution. She gave up. Those words are from an article from our next guest. Caroline Alfonso is an education reporter for the Globe and Mail. She joins us now from Toronto. Good morning, Caroline. Good morning. Nice to be here. Well, we appreciate it. Just plain gave up. Huh? Is Monica alone in her decision? You know, as uh, when that article came out the other day, it resonated with so many families. I think, you know, we're all sort of isolated in our homes right now, and we just want to know that what we're feeling is felt by other people as well. And I think for a lot of families, um, the idea of having, you know, young children doing schoolwork at home is is difficult. It's a lot, especially when, you know, you have other stresses, like you're working at home, you're working full-time at home, and then you have to sort of adjust your day uh, to young kids and sort of the schoolwork they're getting, their assigned work. Um, so I feel like more and more we're seeing families sort of just take, ease the pedal off the gas a little bit and, you know, thinking, well, you know, my kid can probably do some other things instead. I mean, I have two young kids and I have to say they spend a little more time than usual in front of a screen. <laughs> Monica, I think pretty much every parent is nodding in agreement to that because even if you're not letting them do the cartoons or video games or whatever, a lot of the courses are online. And so there's just more screen time, period. And I'm curious, you know, depending on what province you're in, what division you're in, and maybe even right down to the school, the asks have been different. So is there a consensus that it was too much to expect from parents? Or is it just more about the idea, as you say, about taking your foot off the gas? I think, you know, um, like you said, it, it differs from one province to the next, right? And where I am in Ontario, and I know Alberta too, they've been very sort of specific in the amount of schoolwork that kids are to get, the number of hours of schoolwork a week a kid a kid is to get and it differs by grade level by age that sort of thing and I think you know parents are just feeling that I mean there's an appreciation for the amount of work that teachers are doing at this time you know they're they're pulling this together they pull this together so quickly and with little training and this emergency distance learning they've just sort of thrown it together but if you have multiple kids for example at home of different grade levels Chances are there's different platforms that teachers are using, whether it's Seesaw or Google Classroom. So you're moving from, like, device to device, platform to platform, and it's 
you know, it can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming in the house. So it's it's not only the schoolwork that's being assigned by teachers. It's just sort of like there's too much happening at home right now. And it's just overwhelming for many parents. Do you sense that there is a new appreciation for teachers and the work they do? Oh, I don't think that was ever, I don't think that was ever missed. I think teachers have always been appreciated in the work they do. Um, but, you know, we parents, we're teachers in different ways, but we're not classroom teachers. In, in a classroom, you have walls filled with, you know, letters of the alphabet, sight words, numbers. There's a lot going on in the classroom that kids can sort of draw upon, right? They can, in their writing, in their math work, teachers are engaging. They have their peers to talk to. At home, we're kind of alone. We're kind of doing this online. There, There is some sort of Google meetups that teachers host. There are virtual classrooms, you know, that are happening. But we're doing it alone. And we we always appreciate it. I think parents, families always appreciated teachers and the work they're doing. That is never lost. But it's a little overwhelming right now for them to be going alone. And, you know, I think there's a lot of kids that can't wait to get back to school right now. Caroline, we've got to run here in about 40 seconds, but is there is there some things that parents just shouldn't teach their kids? I would never, ever try and teach my wife to golf, uh, you know, <laughs> driving a standard vehicle. Uh, my grandfather and I were not a good combination on that front. Are there just, is there a wall there for some things? Um, I, you know, I think uh, what they should, well, don't teach your kid how to drive a standard vehicle right now. I mean, just kind of stay at home. But I, I, I don't think there's nothing teachers, uh, parents can teach their kids. If something interests you, share with your kid. If you're working, you know, whatever your work is, maybe your kid is interested in the stuff that you're doing as well. Explore ideas, explore their own interests, research things, open up books, research animals. My kid is really into like animals right now. So we have like a flood of books about that. We're opening up online. We're going on online. We have the Toronto Zoo that hosts a virtual uh, meeting, meeting every day. We're doing that sort of thing. So open up their interest that way. Caroline Alfonso, education reporter for the Globe and Mail, joining us live from Toronto. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you for having me. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question is, which part of the province's plan to reopen on Monday are you looking forward to most? And so far, the leading answer, 47%. Some non-essential businesses, including hair salons, retail stores, massages, and that would also include, Greg, barbershops. Or Loren, yeah, I don't sorry. want to get my hair cut. I don't want to get my hair cut. <laughs> don't? I don't. I, I I had long hair for most of my life. My One of my nicknames in high school was Hippie. And uh, uh, I, I'm enjoying growing out my hair. I'm lucky at 51 to have as much hair as I've got. And uh, I just i'm gonna reluctantly be be cutting it off and my beard is a little bit long but the haircut no i i could go a little while longer it's interesting brett because when you list non-essential services the hair salon is at the top of the list for so many people because it's the one thing that you struggle to do on your own and you'd stress about cutting your own hair and it sounds trivial in these 
stressful, confusing times. But at the same time, you, you don't know, I, I have no clue how to color my hair. And I have cut my bangs before with the kitchen scissors and been yelled at by my stylist because it doesn't work. And so I think you're right when you say that so many people out there are thinking that this is one of their priorities, if for lack of a better word, and you're going Monday. That's right. I've been going to the same barber shop in Transcona for 30 years. Tony's Barber Shop in downtown Transcona on Regent Avenue West. I've been going there since I was 11. The late Tony's son, Joe Porco, has been my barber, and he joins us now live on The Start. Joe, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Doing all right. Are you anxious to get back to work? Yeah, I miss it, Brett. How long has it been? Uh, I closed a week earlier before we were mandated, so I've been out six weeks already. Wow. Are you nervous? Six Six weeks. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, Joe, are you nervous about this? Any trepidation whatsoever? Nah, I'll just take the proper precautions and uh, just go back to work. So how does that return look like? We know that you can't have as many people as you would normally in there and that there has to be spacing and all the rest. And so how are you preparing for that? Are you moving chairs or talking to staff about what they need to do? And, and will that involve masks or gloves? Well, Loren, I'm, I'm one-on-one. It's just myself in the shop. I've got no staff. So at, the, at, at any one time, it'll be just myself and my, the one client because I go by appointment only. So it'll be just the two of us in the shop at the same time. There'll be no one else. So uh, there's no real distancing because it doesn't back up because the guys come in every 20 minutes. And if they, one happens to come in earlier, I've got enough room in my shop. I can have him stand at one end or until the other, one, the other client has left. Are you going to be screening customers, Joe? Like you're going to ask them questions about their health? Uh, no, nah, Brett, because all my appointments are already, they're already pre-booked, right, as you know. Hopefully my guys, everyone, I know everyone personally, and hopefully they don't come in if they're not feeling well. Uh, apparently, I'm supposed to post signs out my door stating that. So, there's a lot of faith there, right? It's a it's a relationship. Uh, the fact that you have relationships with uh, most of your customers, if not all of them, Joe, obviously goes a long way. That's probably why you've been in business for as long as you have. But this has been tough for a lot of business owners. I, I know uh, several of them who've had to tap into various government programs or get loans from banks or loans from friends and family to keep their businesses going. What have you done to keep the bills uh, getting paid? I, I was fortunate. I had some money aside, almost like a rainy day fund or whatever. But uh, I did I did uh, put in one for the first time. They offered the I guess it was two thousand dollars for the month, so I qualified for the first segment from March fifteenth to April eleventh. And I guess technically I can I can apply for the second time around, but now I'm going back to work. I don't think I'm going to. Hmm. For so many people, uh, Joe, I think the relationship with their stylist or their barber or their salon is far more special than you may even realize until you don't have it anymore. For, as Brett mentioned, he's been coming to you uh, forever. And so I'm curious how many people have also called you to say, oh, please, Joe, when are, when are you opening and can I get in? Well, I, uh, I had a regular routine going on the last six weeks. I used to go every morning to the shop anyway and check my messages. And there was messages every morning wondering when I was going to be open or, you know, what was going on. Because like you, like you say, I do know everybody personally. Um, yesterday, I actually went to my shop and Brett called me and I didn't realize that we were, we were allowed to go back that it was announced on the news. So uh, there was 14 calls then just, and I hadn't even changed my message on my uh, machine yet. So it's going to be pretty busy. 
Yeah, I was sitting at the uh, the car dealership and Loren texted us uh, a sort of a screenshot of the plan. I think it was 25 minutes after 11 and I saw hair salons were in the first phase and and my it was just like almost like instinct. I just immediately <laughs> called you, Joe, in a panic because I knew that uh, that people would be calling you uh, because I've been kind of, you know, this is the one thing that I've been waiting for is to, to get a haircut. I know there are way more important things than haircuts, but that's the one thing I've been hoping for. Uh, so, and you're, are you expecting expecting just a completely steady stream of customers next week? Uh, yeah, well, as, uh, when I got off the phone with you, I uh, came home and then I went back to the shop and changed my message. And uh, I was on the phone for about three hours. Uh, next week, my whole week is booked from Monday to Saturday. And I don't, don't usually work, as you know, I usually work Mondays. So it'll be busy for yeah, a couple that- of weeks for sure. That was going to be my next question, Joe, is uh, with this with this uh, reopening, are you planning to work some extra hours to maybe uh, rebuild that uh, rainy day fund? Yeah, you're right. Uh, this week I'm going to work for six days for sure this coming week. Um, after that, I think it just happened to be good timing when they allowed us to open up. My schedule is, uh, I don't know if Brent has, uh, Brent has ever told you guys that I, I do pre-book everyone six months in advance, so... I'm just going to take everyone from that point on and tell them all to come in in their next scheduled uh, haircut if, if they can. So hopefully that works. All right, Joe. Well, hey, I'll see you Monday. I'm looking forward to it. We've already had some people texting us saying that they're excited to get a haircut. Uh, so uh, I'll just make sure that, uh, uh, you know, I, I, are you going to have hand sanitizer, I guess, at the door? Yeah, that's. Uh, I was just looking over the guidelines. That's one of the other things. And uh I got to get rid of my uh, magazines and stuff in the shop. So, no, no more magazines. Oh my God. No. no. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe Porco, thank you so much for joining us this morning. See you Monday. Okay, Brett. Have a good day, you guys. Thank you very much. Joe is the barber at Tony's Barbershop in Transcona. Yeah, I used to, before they had the appointment system, Greg, they, I used to go and sit there like on a Saturday afternoon for two hours to wait to get my hair cut. And he had Sports Illustrated and GQ. And that was when I would get, that was when I learned everything about sports, was just sitting in that barbershop. So when he went to the appointment system, I, I would actually show up early just so I could continue to read the magazines. <laughs> That's, That's where I learned everything about I learned everything about perfume because of all those little tabs where you can smell the different perfumes in those magazines and just rub them on yourself and come out smelling just ridiculous. That's basically how I pass the time in a salon. Traffic. I want to know where people are hanging out, where they're getting current magazines. I would think the perfume would be, you know, 20 years old based on the experience I have with magazines and waiting rooms. We want to shine a light on one of the most important organizations in our community, and we are calling this initiative, Greg, Silo Mission Check-In. Yeah, every Thursday for the next four weeks at 8.35 a.m. on the start, 11.35 with Jeff Courier, 3 o'clock with Hal Anderson Afternoons, and at 6.05 on the news, we'll be checking in with Silo Mission to find out what's going on during this pandemic hear stories from the community and how you can help and donate to COVID-19 efforts at Siloam. Jim Bell is, of course, the CEO of Silo Mission and joins us this morning on The Start. Good morning, Jim. Good morning to all of you. It's uh, real good to hear your voices this morning. Yeah, it's been a while and it's it's great to talk to you too, Jim, because I think we've all acknowledged and hopefully are seeing just 
the impact this pandemic has had on some of our most vulnerable in our city and in our province and, and the challenges that's posed for people who have spent lifetimes trying to help them. And so we want to ask first how much COVID-19 has really shaken things up for how Siloam operates usually. Well, it, we did have to certainly when, uh, uh, when COVID uh, came upon us, our leadership team, uh, we got together and we, we decided, okay, we need to listen to the best practices. What are we hearing about best practices going forward in terms of isolating people, uh, overall cleanliness? Um, those things we've put in place, they've been established as a discipline as best we can because, of course, uh, we're dealing with uh, uh, a lot of people, I would say, under normal circumstances, whether it be in our shelter, in our kitchen, in our drop-in, and so we put, uh, uh, we had to make some changes, including uh, suspending our volunteer activities, which was a very tough decision because we rely so heavily on volunteers. And we, frankly, we look forward to the day when we can have them back again. Uh, they're such a vital piece to what goes on at Siloam. But I would say thus far, with um, doing all that we can to try to keep people apart, uh, social distancing-wise, while at the same time paying attention to the essential services of food and shelter and health care, we feel very fortunate, and I think the right word is blessed, that we haven't had uh, a positive uh, test case of COVID within our uh, employees. Uh, we've had people tested, and from the best of our knowledge, people that utilize our services. So uh, that's the encouraging part, but certainly it has been challenging. Jim, uh, being a part of your community, whether it's someone who's experiencing homelessness right now, utilizing your services or volunteer or staff, uh, I always think of it as a calling, much like a nurse. Uh, you're called somehow to be a nurse or to be a teacher. And so right now, this has got to be tremendously difficult for those in your organization who have, have heeded such call uh, to be a part of your organization. And then, of course, your donors, they, they have that special relationship with you as well. How have they stepped up and, and, and handled all the changes, the shift in, in how you're providing your services? Well, you've touched on all, all the key points. You really have. And, and I can tell you that uh, even with the operational changes that we've put in place, our employees, yes, they. Uh, I like the way you put it in terms of it is a calling, and they have adjusted uh, where people in certain areas of our organizations have, uh, at Siloam have been deployed in other areas. Say they, if they don't normally work in the kitchen and they've been taken on shift after shift, we're grateful for that. So their passion, their passion is not diminished at all to serve. A matter of fact, uh, they stepped up. And when you talk about uh, the donors in our community, um, I don't have enough time and perhaps not the right words uh, to indicate how they have also rallied uh, with generosity and commitment. Uh, I like to say to people that with each day, yes, we encounter a challenge, but with each challenge, we either get uh, an experience of encouragement or a donation that just inspires us and sends a message to keep going. So, you know, at Siloam, it's a team. You talk about community, and the community is a critical, critical piece within our donors, within our volunteers, 
Um, and, and as I say, that was a difficult decision to have to suspend our volunteer activity, but we did it for reasons that we all know. Uh, but I can't say enough about how the community um, rallies behind our organization, and we are so, so grateful. Jim, some of those who require your services uh, you know, might be dealing with uh, mental wellness issues or perhaps addiction issues. Has physical distancing uh, been difficult for, for some of those folks who come through your door? Yes, that has been a challenge because right now, as I say, we've had to uh, focus our attention. Everything at Siloam we consider essential, but when uh, COVID became upon us, we had to really focus on, okay, right now it's about feeding people, nourishing meals. It's about making sure that they have a safe and warm bed at night and health care. But with that, even though we have, a, we have an outstanding transition services team and mental health team along with our health care team that under normal circumstances uh, work with people on a daily basis. So we've had to adjust that. Our, our staff is still in touch with our community members, but, but distancing is a piece of that. So it might be on the phone. There are visits um, to people's uh, housing units when we, when, we can, when we can do that, all at the same time uh, by paying attention uh, and respecting the, the, uh, the need to social distance. Everybody feels differently about how they have to do that. And, and we've had guests on the past month, Jim, just talking about even those with uh, mental wellness issues or uh, disabilities and in, in intelligence, you know, uh, that might t- struggle with the social distancing concept. So it's just great to hear how you guys are working around all these things that would come up that we might have never thought of before on the list of things that a lot of people don't think of uh, is what might be needed for some of Winnipeg's more vulnerable. We're so pleased to work with you on our Knickers and Kickers campaign every single yes. year, socks and yes. underwear. I imagine that's still high on the list of needs, but what else would you like to see donated? Well, I would say that, yes, there are a number of things, and again, I'll explain uh, a few of those in a moment, but cash is always king, as we say at Loan, because it allows us to fill in the void. So uh, for your listening community that have the ability to uh, grant us a donation that is always always appreciated but right now um, right now I would say hygiene items um, toiletries I would say a big one is one of the adjustments that we had to put in place was uh, issuing or handing out bag lunches and dinners so with that uh, things like uh, food items for bags like juice boxes uh, granola bars things like that are needed and much appreciated as we prepare hundreds of bag lunches on a daily basis uh, to hand out to people that come to the door that are not um, uh, do, do, were not in our shelter the night before. So those things, and as you say, uh, in terms of uh, hygiene items, underwear is year-round, uh, but hygiene items, those types of things, right now we're not, we, we don't have the ability to uh, accept clothing, uh, for reasons that uh, social distancing um, reasons and those types of things. Uh, but uh, at the same time, those other donations uh, around the hygiene items, toiletries, underwear, as you say, those things are uh, much, much needed and appreciated year-round. And, of course, with COVID, that just uh, intensified things and Jim, intensified the need. 
Jim Bell is the CEO of Silo Mission, joining us live on 680 CJOB. To make a donation, the phone number is one 844 9 That's one 844 974 Or you can go online to siloam.ca slash radio. Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. And while I have the opportunity on behalf of all of us at Siloam and to your listeners, a big thank you. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay well. And just know we appreciate all of you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. With all the closures over the past six weeks, there is one group of practitioners who were on the job, even though, Greg, many did not know it. That's right, Brett. Chiropractors have been on the job through the entirety of the public health orders, which have closed many businesses in our community. We've, in fact, heard about doctors and family practices not seeing nearly as many patients and a shift to telemedicine by others trying to adjust to the changing times and circumstances. And Loren, uh, that is uh, probably added to the dilemma of chiropractors who have been hard at it uh, for the last six weeks or so. Yeah, and how to move forward, Greg. And so we've got some questions about that, how it's been working and, and how it will continue to work with Stephen Gale, or Gall rather, Stephen Gall, president of the Manitoba Chiropractors Association. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, everyone. I, I You might not have been warned about this. I like a good pun. And so I did not know that chiropractors have been open all this time. So I stand corrected. <laughs> well, Does everybody get that? <laughs> yes, I do get that. Hopefully you're standing tall and proud. Um, that's what we'd like as chiropractors. So you have been open. Tell us a bit about how it's been working and in terms of how busy your members have been over the past few weeks with COVID-19 uh, in the forefront. Well, you know, uh, let, let me say that we uh, we were very grateful to be part of uh, the essential services team when this first happened. Uh, we want to be able to serve Manitobans and provide care during the state of emergency. So we've been allowed to see essentially um, essential service people, so those in the essential services industry, but also Manitobans who require urgent or emergent care. And the idea here would have been that we would have tried to lighten the load on our hospitals, ERs, urgent care centers, so we could flatten the curve. And that was been, that's was that been the role of what we saw chiropractic is doing in this province, is helping to flatten that curve for uh, the hospitals and for all of Manitoba as well. So we, what we've been doing is seeing people, and uh, certainly our numbers are down. But that's expected as people have stayed home and we've been limited, but we've been very excited to be able to help those who need the care, and um, our, our practitioners and our members have stepped up to do that. Stephen, what sorts of protocols and changes in operation have you been forced to put in place or, or that you've done voluntarily in o- order to make uh, yourselves and, and your patients uh, feel more comfortable? Right. So from the outset with the health orders, we've really diligently adhered to those health orders. And they they gave us the health orders that came from Manitoba Health and Shared Health gave us direction in terms of what we could and couldn't do and how we should set up our practices. So um, from the outset of the state of emergency, we've uh, instructed our members to uh, um, use screening questions, the typical screening questions that you get any any place you might go into now. We've been screening anybody who calls to book appointments or anybody coming into our practices. Uh, we've been using social distancing as well in our offices, so limiting the number of people that can come into a practice at any one time, removing chairs from waiting rooms, uh, separating tables, etc. We've been looking after social distancing quite well. And then, of course, we've had to also use uh, sanitization protocols, so wiping down our tables, chairs, anything that's touched in the practice, doorknobs, countertops, 
these are things that our members have uh, stepped up to do. And as I said, we've worked closely with government to make sure that we're adhering to what they want us to do. And they've been fantastic with us in terms of answering our questions when we've had them in very quickly. Do you anticipate a surge in people visiting chiropractors with uh, this announcement? Well, I think there's a good chance that, uh, that the, certainly people who have stayed away will want to come back. Uh, you know, we know that uh, significant neck and back pain are major reasons the Manitoba seek care. And we play a very important role, whether in a pandemic or not, in, in easing the pressure on ERs and just generally helping people get back to living drug-free and pain-free uh, lives, getting them back on their feet and back to work. So as people get back to work, I can see their need to come in and see us increase. And certainly those people who have not been able to come in and see us through this because of our restrictions are, I think, itching to get back in as well. Yeah, back pain, neck pain, all those things are such a, they're big for a lot of people. They can't function without their visits to their chiropractor or their therapist. And so I'm curious if you think you guys might be better equipped to hit the ground running since many of your members have remained open. You're not going through that process like so many businesses today trying to figure out how to open their doors again. Exactly right, Loren. It's uh, it's something that we're very proud of as as chiropractors in this province. Um, as I said, we you know we were able to work with the government very closely in terms of establishing what we could do and how we could do it. We have a very uh, good regulatory process through which we um, you know direct our members and tell our members what is what they're able to do. And the members who stayed open, and that's been a majority of members, have stayed open through this process. And as you said, there, you know, we're ready to start um, helping people more, ready to safely open. This is something that uh, we've done for weeks now, and it won't be an egregious change to uh, anything we have to do. A few additional things that have been added in this latest order, but uh, nothing that will create issues for us and certainly maintain the safety of people coming into our practices. What we didn't mention on the way in is the fact that Stephen Gall is the essentially incoming president, newly elected president of the Manitoba Chiropractors Association. I think you said last night when we spoke, Stephen, you started March 23rd. Talk about stress uh, to, to get things going in this uh, in this uh, role as president. Well, I will tell you, I walked in as president in the early days of the state of emergency. Uh, I will say, thankfully, I walked in with almost 30 years of practice and board experience. Uh, but I'll also say there was there's no playbook for this, as you know, and I think everybody knows this has been uh, a situation where just there's nothing that could have been expected. So there's no playbook for any of this. I leaned on the experience I had as, as a practicing member and a board member for th- over th- almost 30 years. And uh, the experience of the board members that we have as well that sit by my side, my executive director, our staff, um, they've been amazing in terms of helping us. Uh, stay open and maintain our our position and uh, but most importantly i'm going to say that i think our long-standing and strong relationships with government allowed us to collaborate and, and work very effectively to help manitobans how do i know when i should seek the help of a chiropractor oh <laughs> well you know what that's that's a difficult question i think the answer to that is um, only if you go and see a chiropractor who can then determine if what you're experiencing is something we can help with or as we do in, in the many instances, feel that you know it's beyond our scope or outside of our scope, or we make a referral to the the appropriate practitioner. Do you expect with uh, you know we talked about the surge of people wanting an increase in services? I'm curious, you know, this whole lot of us are working from home, or or a lot of us have lost our jobs and might have an increased amount of stress. And I'm wondering what just those kinds of changes, you know, the the, the stress, the not sleeping, the 
change in your patterns might have on something as simple as your back and needing a correction that I might not have had pain before and am now. And I'm actually asking this for a personal reason because that's the boat I find myself in. Yeah, you, you hit a, a very important piece that's, that's happening right now, Lorraine, which we've seen um, for those people who've been able to come in and see us through the, the, you know, the requirements that, that they fit into. Um, some of those people have expressed to us significant issues with being at home. Certainly, a lot of people who've started working from home now are sitting at uncomfortable desks. They're sitting in chairs they're not used to. They're working off laptops on coffee tables at home, and they're sitting for eight hours a day instead of getting up and walking to the bathroom and, and or walking down a hallway to a colleague's office. They're making phone calls, but they're doing it while sitting. Uh, and beyond that, the stress of just, you know, having to be isolated, having to be home, those things certainly are playing a role in producing an increased level of postural shift, stress-related increases in tension in the spine. And yes, we're seeing more people coming in with headaches, neck pain, back pain, uh, just, because of the, just because of the fact they've been home. Stephen Gall is president of the Manitoba Chiropractors Association, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Stephen, thank you for this. Much appreciated, sir. Thank you very much. I, w- I just want to finish with, you know, we're super grateful to be able to serve Manitobans and provide a care during the state of emergency. We're comfortable with the safety restric- restrictions we have in place, and we are ready to safely reopen. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us on The Start. And it was a little over a month ago where I had the opportunity to visit a massage therapy location on Corden called the Pure Escape because I've got this nagging shoulder injury. I just tweaked it at the gym back in like November, just trying out uh, a chest exercise. And I pulled my shoulder back just a little too much and I popped something and it had been bugging me for months. So I went to the Pure Escape and visited Rosario Cesario, and uh, he gave me a treatment, and my shoulder was feeling so much better. Uh, I I was hoping for a follow-up visit uh, because there's still just a little hint of uh, leftover pain, and then COVID-19 hit, and the massage shop had to shut down. Well, they got the green light to reopen on Monday, May 4th, and Rosario Cesario joins us live once again on 680 CJOB. Rosario, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So are you reopening on Monday? We're not going to reopen on Monday. Uh, we just are still in the process of getting everything ready. So we're looking at uh, waiting one more week and then trying for the 11th. Curious, Rosario, what your reaction was to the news that you could reopen? Because I, if I have to be honest, I've been missing my massage therapist a lot over the past uh, six weeks. But at the same time, I, I'm, it's such a close relationship. You have to work in such close quarters and hands are on your yeah. body and all the rest that I thought, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to go back or if the therapist would be ready to go back. So how did you feel when you heard that you, you can go back to business? Um, I, I was surprised, too, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, after Saskatchewan released their, their model and therapists are in phase two in Saskatchewan, I figured we would sort of be the same same thing. We might follow that. So when I heard that, you know, Monday we can go back to work, it was it was a little surprising because, like you said, it's, we're so close. To, we're touching the clients, you know. It's uh, such a close proximity that I was a little surprised that uh, that we're able to reopen if we choose on, on Monday. But, um, you know, things have to be in place before we can do that. Uh, they've set guidelines that you... Uh, that you have to have in place at all your at, at your business for for clients to come in, uh, and the biggest thing too is uh, you know I want to make sure that the staff feels comfortable that 
I'm making everything as safe as possible for them to come to work because that was the biggest concern. Uh, last week, I had sent out a, an email to the staff saying, what's the biggest concern if and when we can go back to work? And safety was the number one thing, but most of them responded. So I'm trying to do everything to make it safe for the staff to come back and for clients to be in our space with us. So uh, that's why I, I feel we need to wait one more week because uh, some of the stuff that I've ordered just isn't here yet. And I want to have it all in place before we are able to reopen. The pre- Premier mentioned that yesterday, right, Rosario? The idea that you're allowed to open, nobody's forcing you to open, but there are going to be rules and regulations and things that you need to do. And yeah. obviously you've decided that you have to have those things in place and, and you have some of your other and your own uh, things you need to get in order. Uh, Loren mentioned this in our last segment uh, with Stephen, the, the chiropractor, just so many of us are experiencing stress right now and our massage therapists or chiropractors, different practitioners have been such a, uh, traditionally been such a good way for us to alleviate that stress. Tell us about the stress you've been under as a business owner over the last six weeks or so. Uh, you know, very stressful. The, the biggest stress I've had is how do you reopen a business again? You know, we've been in, I've been in business for 20 years, but it's just this overwhelming feeling of starting from scratch again. It seems, you know, like uh, the question, is your staff going to come back? Do they want to come back to work? That's question one. And then question two, you open, are the clients going to come back? You know, so it's, it's, a, it's a very stressful uh, feeling, overwhelming some days of how do I do this? How do we accomplish this? How do we open a business again? Uh, you know, it just feels like uh, we're starting again. And as, as as a business owner, though, there is some excitement to that, let me tell you. There is a bit of excitement for me in that respect, uh, the challenge of it. But uh, it, it was it is a stressful situation, for sure. Now, Rosario, I mean, you are a massage therapist, so you're, I mean, it's treatment, but you also do relaxation massage and you have a spa in there. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to be allowed to do as of uh, Monday or when you do decide to reopen? Well, we can't do any of the spa services, so that, that has to be put on hold. Uh, so we'll be able to do massage therapy, uh, limited numbers. Uh, you know, some of the things that I was working on already before this situation came up was uh, um, how many people are we going to allow in our space at one time? Uh, making the lounge and the seating area bigger so that people aren't right beside each other. Um, having split time between when therapists start so that we, again, are limiting the amount of time people are in a room together. So one set of therapists will start at, uh, you know, say, top of the hour. The next one will start 30 minutes later. So no clients are running into each other. No therapists are running into each other. Having more time between appointments to give therapists to clean properly because cleaning protocols have now changed. And uh, again, things that we have to put in place uh, for us to be open. Um, do, you know, just things, things like that that we uh, need to get all in place before we can do it. It has me wondering, Rosario, as part of, as part of the process, you're going to be waiting a week to, because you need to ramp up and get your thoughts organized and your, your staff organized and answer all the questions that so many people have. So there's the mixed emotions yeah. of wanting to open, I'm guessing, because financially, who doesn't sure. want to get back to business, right? And on the other side, sure. you're, you're going to lose, you're going to lose a week because of the timeline here. Or do you feel like you could have used a bit more heads up or, a, you know, maybe if they had said yesterday, mid-May or, or giving everybody the, yeah. a, a bit more time? 
You know, uh, yeah, just a bit more time. But, uh, you know, uh, the the thing that uh, a little shocking to me is they want you to open your business and have all these protocols in place, but go online and try to find protective gear, try to find masks, try to find uh, sanitizing solution. It's not possible. There's stuff that I ordered. I was getting ready for this. Uh, I had ordered um, sanitizer stands and all this stuff a week before quarantine happened. I still haven't received that order. So, again, we can't open without stuff like this. And now now we're kind of scrambling, which is not how I like to run a business, um, to find some stuff. And, you know, so far I've been able to manage a bit. But, like I said, I placed an order a week before, the, the week of March 8th, and then we closed on the 16th. That order that I placed is not even here yet. So, again, it, just, it was a little surprising that, okay, you can open on the 4th, but are people going to have the stuff they need to open, other than that is expected for you to have to open? You can't find some of the stuff. You know, yeah, little, I think that's... That's going to be a huge challenge for a lot of businesses, Rosario. Yeah. Before we let you go here, we've done um, we've done a lot of uh, commending of businesses and business owners for their resilience, for their for their ability and their desire to to pivot and to change the way they deliver their services. What's been the biggest learning experience for you during this uh, six weeks? And and obviously, we're we're hoping that. We don't have to go back into any sort of pause or or shutdown uh, later on uh, in the in the fall or in the winter. But has there been something that that's really stood out for you in terms of a lesson learned here? Um, the just the safety issue for again starting with your staff. Uh, I need to take care of the staff first and foremost. Uh, they I need to provide them with a safe place to come into, uh, so they feel comfortable to be able to do their job. Um, because if we don't provide that, there's no point in opening and there's no point in clients coming here. Uh, you know, we should have all the phone calls and then appointments booked that we want. But if people are scared to come to work, it doesn't it doesn't work, you know. And then I want to provide a place where clients are safe, feel safe that they're coming in here, that I've taken every step. I've not only taken the steps that have been outlined uh, by the government, but gone above and beyond that to show them here's what we're doing, you know, like, I've gone and ordered everything, so our bathrooms are now touchless. You know, touchless soap dispensers, touchless towels, the infrared faucets. So no one's touching anything anymore. Uh, and I'm trying to do that for all our rooms uh, where the treatments are going to be in. Uh, you know, just the safety aspect of it for, again, first and foremost, the staff that has to come in to work, and then the clients. Rosario, how do people get in touch with you? Where do they go online to find you? Uh, the pureescape.ca and our Facebook page, the Pure Escape. Okay, well, I will be getting in touch as well, Rosario, because like I said, uh, I, just, I needed a follow-up on my shoulder. You did yeah. such great work. I, I can't believe how much better I felt after I came to see awesome. you, but it's just a little bit nagging. But, uh, uh, yeah, then hopefully everything rolls out okay for you and uh, you can get business back up and running again. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us this morning, Rosario. No problem. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And again, I, I can't vouch for my experience there enough. It was the first time I'd ever had a massage. And I, I knew that people went to massage therapists all the time to get taken care of. I don't know why I, I never did. I, no, I, pardon me. That's not true. I know why. It's because I'm a baby, <laughs> because massage therapy 
when you go for treatment, it can be painful. Sure. And uh, this time I just said, I, I need it done. And he it hurt, but I felt so much better afterwards. Oh. So, yeah, it was great. When I heard you had never been to one, my mouth, my jaw dropped. I, I don't think I got my first massage until I was in my late 20s. But then once you go, you just realize... And you don't have to have that deep tissue on all the time. You can do it differently if you really wanted to, but you can realize the gift that that can be and just sort of extending the life between pains of, of your back and the twinges and the aches and all the rest. So there's just all, there's a long list of things that uh, he just covered everything so well, the mixed emotions he must be feeling of reopening and, and wanting to get back to business, but keeping everybody safe. And then just also doing what you love, right? So many people want to get back to work to do what they love. And we want to go to their businesses because we they, we love what they do, Greg. Yeah, so much of what Rosario said just epitomizes a, a true entrepreneur to me. Uh, service at the top of his concern, uh, not only for his his staff, but his customers. And, and that's what uh, real entrepreneurs do. They put their staff, their employees, and their customers above all else. And uh, just, I uh, was sitting here uh, shaking my head in disbelief and in just in, in awe of Rosario's uh, value system and what he puts uh, at the top of the food chain for himself. Uh, uh, just a wonderful opportunity to, to meet this business owner in Winnipeg. Thanks for that, Brett. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.